right? Are you overwhelmed? <laughs> hey, happy new year, guys. Great to see you. Uh, if you're new, my name's Tim, and uh, I serve as the lead pastor of Liquid Church. Um, we have actually seven campuses, different locations, even though we're one church. So let's welcome Essex, Middlesex, Somerset, Garwood, Mountainside, and Mama. Say hi to our church family. Happy New Year, guys. Great to have you with us. Hey, first Sunday of 2020. It's actually the first, uh, the, the first Sunday of a decade, a brand new decade. And so we're like, yeah, let's just kind of frazzle people and get them overwhelmed from the beginning, right? Well, what we're doing is if you're new, we do a thing called kind of a, a message series where we camp out for like four weeks on a, a top and kind of dive deep into it. Our series is called Breathing Room. And it's really about how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in kind of the whirlwind and chaos of the modern world, right? We kind of live at this hyper speed that takes your breath away. Um, I want to start by reading you a quote from a guy named Dallas Willard. I read this over New Year's break. Uh, Dallas Willard was a philosophy professor at USC. He's a brilliant man. He's also a Christ follower. He passed away a few years ago. But he was one of our generation's leading thinkers about what it means to follow Jesus, to live well in the modern world. And he was asked, what's the greatest enemy to spiritual life. And Willard said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. In other words, the speed of our lives, how fast it goes and how cluttered they become. This kind of frantic, distracted way that I think most of us just identify with living day to day. And it's funny to me because I think of you said, you know, hey, what's the biggest enemy of your spiritual life living here in New Jersey in 2020? I think most people would be like, well, the cost of living, or maybe the secular mindset, this isn't the South, you know, or people are just so angry about politics, whatever. But Willard, the finest philosopher of our generation, said, no, 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 that's not the biggest way the devil gets into your life. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And then he added this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And it's kind of true. I mean, if you think about it, you read the Bible, Satan doesn't show up, right, in a, you know, in a red devil costume with horns and a pitchfork, ha, 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 you know? He's a lot more subtle than we give him credit for. I think you're a lot more likely to experience his influence, kind of that spiritual static in the form of a crowded calendar with one more appointment <laughs> or one more meeting, or you're doing your devotions and, bzz, you know, notification, urgent text on your smartphone, and, oh, now I got to get to that, and I just or just one more night out away from your family, or another soccer game on Sunday, more errands to do on your to-do list. It just kind of is running around. It just leaves you breathless. And we're so tired and worn out, and so then the enemy kind of tempts us late at night and says, you know how you can replenish Netflix binge? Have a, have a cheap glass of red wine, and that'll help you. And you have this kind of short-term dopamine hit, but then it leaves you even more tired and depleted the next morning. You know, Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. I think there's truth in that. Because both sin and busyness really have the same effect on our soul, right? They cut your connection off to God. They distance you from people you love. Even disconnect you from your own heart, your soul. I think if there's one word that describes most of us living in the Northeast at this cultural moment, it's busy. You ever notice that? Like I saw some of you greeting each other like, hey, how's it going? Oh, good, man. Just crazy busy, <laughs> right? <laughs> crazy busy. You hear, it, like you hear it everywhere. College students are busy. Young parents with kids are busy. Singles living in the city are busy. Empty nesters moving south, they're busy. CEOs are busy. Part-time nannies, busy. We're all busy. And let me just tell you, 
pastors are the worst. <laughs> like you, we try to cram it all in. Like, you know, you know, more meetings, coffees, texts, appointments, binge watching the office. Sorry, that's my kids. That's not me. <laughs> it's like Top Gun. You remember the movie Top Gun? Uh, I feel the need for speed. And so we kind of rush through life, pedal to the metal, distracted, no breathing room in our schedules until we're too busy just to even breathe. Now, let me tell you why I want to talk about this. Because it is the start of a brand new year, brand new decade. And so I know a lot of you are starting to like, I'm going to set my new goals. There are things I want to do and get on the calendar this year. You know, this is the time of year, right? We make commitments or worse resolutions, which never happen. Or you probably chose your word of the year. You choose your way, you know, this is the year, you know, be brave, you know, or dream big or fly higher. Christians love word of the year. All right, that's cool. That's cool. But I just want, I'm just telling you, if you don't hit pause for a minute and not careful, the word busy is going to overwhelm your calendar and your soul and, and your life will start looking a little like, like this. Just, just, oh, who, who is brave enough to admit this is what your closet looks like? <laughs> Right? Or you got an attic or your basement looks like this. Or, uh, or you know, your trunk, trunk of your car. Look at this. It's just, what's even in here? Oh, it's Christmas or Eve. All right, whatever. Uh, <laughs> like, this is literally how some of our lives look. And let me tell you, it's one thing for your attic or your trunk or your basement or your closet to look like this. It's not okay for your life to look like that. It's not okay for your schedule to look like that. It's not okay for your family's speed to look like that. And, and by the way, I just want to acknowledge, some of you can't get over this. You're like, I'm not hearing anything you're saying, Tim. This is traumatizing to me. This is so upsetting. And, and, and others of you are just like, what? <laughs> it's a big deal. I don't really, right? I get it. I'm like this. That's, if you looked at the back of my truck, this is kind of how it is because like, I'm a creative. And so like, I, I'm okay like, with the mess. That's fine. It's cool. God made us like all different. My point is this. It is one thing for a closeted part of your life to look this way, but it's not okay for your life to look like this. It's not okay for your family calendar where there's absolutely jam-packed, no room for error, keep it all in, and it's bell to bell with no breathing room. Because all of a sudden you're doing all this stuff and you don't even enjoy it. It's not okay for your relationships where everyone's so busy to cram it all in. You don't even enjoy the stuff you're doing. Your kids don't enjoy it because everybody's running 100 miles an hour in 100 different directions. I, I mean, we laugh, right? Because it is. This, this is funny. But until it's not. <laughs> like, it's no fun to watch a friend who is so stressed out over their schedule that their marriage begins to fall apart or the relationship to deteriorate because they're just doing too much. It's no fun to watch your friends who are kind of, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and they're just taking on too much in their first job, they have no time. It's no time to see a mom or dad, you know, just kind of like, you know, they're, they're, they're taking their kids to all the sports and this event and that event, and all of a sudden they're like, I don't even know my kid. They just, I'm an Uber driver, <laughs> right? It, it's no fun. I'm just telling you to, to watch a couple, I don't even know where to fit this in. Watch a couple who's so maxed out because every single dollar is spent there's no breathing room financially. So when all of a sudden a little bump happens, boom, it all comes kind of crashing down. So it's kind of toxic the way we manage our schedules and our budgets. So for the next three weeks, here's what we're going to do. I'm like, I want to talk about this because God actually has something to say about this. We're going to actually learn from Rabbi Jesus because life is better with 
Everyone say it. You ready? Everyone take a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> it's my wife's closet, all right? <laughs> She's a minimalist. <laughs> she, she, in her closet, in her, oh, get ready. Oh, oh. <laughs> breathing room. Let me tell you what breathing room looks like. Bre- breathing room is when you don't have to drive 90 miles an hour everywhere because you actually arrived early. Can you imagine that? Like, like breathing room. It's time you could actually connect with your family and, and friends and, and you actually enjoy dinner around the table instead of going through the drive-thru again. Breathing room means there's actually, there's, there's money left over at the end of the month. It's a miracle. <laughs> Bre- breathing room is when you actually, I'm able to get up in the morning and have time with God because I didn't just take out my phone and get a dopamine hit and scroll through Instagram. Now I'm angry and outraged at everything. You actually... Whisper with God first before you start shouting with the world. Breathing room is awesome. Everyone agrees. That's how God designed life. Breathing room to receive love from your father and then let it pour out and give it to his sons and daughters. That's how God designed your life, to be lived within certain limits. Now remember this. Hurry doesn't just come from the devil. Hurry is the devil. (laughs) Hurry is just this impulse. We got to squeeze it all in. We got to go bell the bell. We got to get everything out of life. And when we're trying to get out of life, we actually lose control of our life. See? (laughs) I'm just having fun here. But like breathing room, you're not going to find this this term in the Bible. So don't be like, where is this in my concordance? There's an invitation, however, that Jesus makes in Matthew 11, which I just think God wants to speak straight to your heart today. This is an invitation... (laughs) from the lover of your soul to live a brand new way in 2020. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are what? Weary and burdened, and I will give you more to do. (laughs) Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus, for I am gentle and humble in heart, And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, how many heard that verse before? All right. It's going to be kind of our anchor verse for the series. I'm going to explain. Some of you are like, what's a yoke? I'll explain this in a minute. But it really is, I think, a revolutionary counterculture invitation from God to approach your day-to-day life in not 2019 style, but in 2020 with breathing room. So let me just, just define what breathing room is. I want to give Andy Stanley credit for this definition. He says, breathing room is the space between your current pace of life, like how fast you're going, and your limits. In other words, it's the distance between your current pace and your schedule, your relationships, your finances. We're going to talk about these three areas. But breathing room is the space between your pace, how hard you're charging, how deeply you're loving, how much money you're spending, and your limits. Because newsflash, we all have limits. Like, I realize no one likes to admit this. <laughs> but there is a point, take it from me, in your life when you get the RPMs revved so high and your schedule's going so crazy, you just can't jam anymore in because, like, everybody else has limits. So you may, I get it, I'm type A, high-capacity kind of guy, and you may be a high-capacity leader at work. But let me tell you, if you redline your life at home, at some point, you will quit enjoying life. 
You will get angry and anxious with those you love the most. In your attempt to get the most out of life, you'll actually lose control of your life. So here's a question, just reflection moment, to start 2020. Ready? Is your pace of life draining peace from your life? Is your pace of life stealing peace from your life? Because here's the deal. As your pace increases, your peace decreases. Stress goes up, relationships suffer. It's like, mom, you're always on the phone. Dad's always on the laptop at home. All you guys ever do is talk about money. The kids, all the kids do is they look at their screens. Their eyes are glued. They won't even make eye contact, right? Like, I feel like we're busy, but we're not enjoying any of it. And you start skimming the surface relationally. We're not going deep. I don't have the energy or the time. Here's a secret. When life looks too much like this and too little like that, there will be more emotional stress, relational strife in your world because the pace of your life begins draining peace from your life. And if you're not careful, you'll contract a case of hurry sickness. Have you heard of this? I'd make that up. This is, <laughs> this is actually a medical condition that was first discovered by a cardiologist by the name of Dr. Meyer Friedman. So he's a heart doctor. And in his research, he studied how his patients, who are typically type A people, they're kind of chronically in a hurry, they're always a little bit angry, you know, but just kind of like this adrenalized life, were more prone to heart attacks. And what he discovered is they lived life at such a fast pace and unsustainable speed that it started impacting their health. And he said, it's classic hurry sickness. Here's how Friedman defined it. He said, hurry sickness is a continuous struggle, an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things in less and less time. Does that, does that describe anybody? Okay. So, so Friedman noted, he said, by most at-risk heart patients, they live their life at this breathtaking pace and their speed actually makes them sick. Now, do you know when Friedman first diagnosed this? In the 1950s. Before email, <laughs> before smartphones, before Amazon, one-click ordering. <laughs> like, what would he say in 2020? And you may be sitting there and like, well, how do I, hurry sickness, like, how do I know? This is not scientific. Here's one way I find out you can tell who has hurry sickness. You watch people at the grocery store, and when they go to the checkout line, if you're that guy or gal who, like, you go up, but like, I'm not committing to anything before I look at all the lines and do the math. Because I'm going to choose the one that has the fewest amount of people. That one has three carriages, but this one has two. But, but if, I, if I can box out that woman in a wheelchair, I can shave off three minutes. <laughs> right? Anybody? Or, you know, you're driving, you're like at the stoplight. And, and again, you, you slow up 20 yards out because you're like, I want to see how this shuffles out. You know, where's the line with the lane with fewest cars? Or, or that guy's speeding, so he'll get the ticket, so I'll just, you know, tail draft him or... You know, you're kind of like, hey, is it actually legal to tail an ambulance? Because I can get, I'm 10 minutes behind. Anybody relate to that? He's brave enough to admit you struggle with hurry sickness. I want to recommend to you a very helpful book I read over break. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Read over New Year's, profound, funny. I think it perfectly fits our cultural moment. And in it, Comer lists seven symptoms of hurry sickness. Okay, just signs that your speed of life is unhealthy and unsustainable. Now, I'm just going to go through these super quick. These are all in your notes. You can dig deeper on your mobile app. But see if any of these symptoms describe you. The first is irritability. I mean, if you're going too fast, you find that you get angry, mad, frustrated with people way too easily. 
like little things irk you. All it takes is like a little comment to set you off or a grumpy email. Now I'm in this emotional funk I can't get out of. Don't point to people, all right? Just okay. <laughs> Restlessness, followed by restlessness. In other words, when you try to slow down and rest, you can't relax. Like you try, I want to have a quiet time with God, but like scripture is boring. I just want to look at my phone. You can't quiet your mind. So you go to bed early, but then like you toss and turn all night with anxiety and your mind's gone and you sleep a little bit and then it's like 3.45 and you wake up and you're like, oh no, 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 no. Don't think, don't think, don't. Now I'm up. <laughs> Why is that? Because your body is so hyped up on speed and dopamine and your mental closet is overcrowded. It can't fit anymore in. Workaholism is one of the biggest symptoms. You guys know what this is. Another email, another hour, another meeting. You don't know when to stop or even maybe how to stop. Now watch this, because our society calls this hustle, and you get rewarded for it, even though it kills your relationships and poisons your soul. Now, this doesn't have to be nine to five work. I want you to understand this is very insidious. It could show up as obsessive house cleaning. Like I get up, and I, get, I just gotta, or shopping, or errand running, one more trip to the mall. And you will fall prey to what they, psychologists call sunset fatigue. This is like the double whammy. Sunset fatigue is when at day's end, the sun goes down, you have nothing left to give your spouse, your kids, your loved ones, because you spent everything at work, and so they get the grouchy, overtired you. Lucky them. Thanks so much. <laughs> Emotional numbness. Maybe you, maybe you had this in 2019 where it's just kind of like, I just had this, this flat feeling. You don't, you don't feel joy. You don't, just tired, you know? Empathy. Like, I don't even, I don't even feel someone else's pain. I have time of my own, <laughs> Because you're going so fast, you lose track actually of your feelings because life's just coming at you. You're emotionally numb or flat. Aren't you glad you came to church today? This is like so encouraging. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. Keep going. Uh, neglect of health. Okay, just a, there's this moment when you speed so much, you don't have time anymore. You know, you stop working out. You stop the basics. You, you, eight hours of sleep a night. Like that was, I did that in 2000 maybe. <laughs> you stop exercising. Healthy home-cooked meals. You're always eating out. You gain weight. You get sick easily. To keep up with the crazy, hectic pace, you over-caffeinate. Like if someone cut you, like coffee would spill out of your veins, you know? <laughs> and so last one's escapist behaviors. What he says is when we're overtired or stressed, we turn to distractions. So we overeat, we overdrink, we start binge-watching Netflix, just YouTube, kind of scrolling through social media or surfing the web without any particular destination, looking at porn. All these addictions that then, you know, this is how I unwind. But watch, they actually trap you and become compulsions. And the final symptom of hurry sickness, at least for me, is when your spiritual practices start slipping. What I find is when I get over busy, the first thing to go is my personal time with God. Like, like the very thing that replenishes my soul, being with my father, receiving his love, his, his purpose, his direction for my life, reconnecting through scripture or prayer, they're the first to go rather than my first go-to. Isn't that nuts? Because you don't have the time and energy to do one more thing. So instead of this like soul-restoring life with God Jesus talks about, you settle for Netflix at night and a glass of wine. A lesser God who says, I'll give you rest, but will leave you more restless than ever and disconnected. So there we have them. I'm going to put up on the side screens, and I want you to take a quick inventory of your life. Don't point to anybody. How many describe you? Quick show of hands. Anyone with at least three symptoms? You'd be honest right now. Well, okay, a lot of you. Okay, awesome. How many of you, anybody with five symptoms? Five out of seven? 
Five out of seven? Okay, you're looking at your watch, like how much longer? Anybody seven out of seven, you got a perfect score. You got a perfect score. (laughs) Me too. You get a free Netflix subscription. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, listen. Listen. You're not alone. That's the point. It's because you're human. I didn't do this to make you feel guilty. I didn't make this to make you feel ashamed. In fact, can I just like confess something very just personal to you, be real? Last fall, I caught a bad case of hurry sickness. Like I completely overscheduled my calendar. I tried, it overwhelmed my life. And it wasn't bad things. It was actually all good things, right? Like our church was growing. We launched a, a seventh uh, um, campus. We hosted a conference. I, I wrote a book. And all of a sudden, all these like requests started coming in, like come here and, and talk to these pastors here or speak at this conference. And so I started traveling more than I ever had in my life. I basically had no filter. I was just like, yes, why not? Let's do it. I said yes to everything. Squeeze it all in. In fact, there were two months last fall where I preached for seven weeks straight, then gave seven different book signings, followed by 10 leadership talks to pastors and church planners, 15 interviews for podcasts and radio magazines, flew to California, Colorado to speak. And that was after spending the summer in Ocean Grove preaching on on Saturday nights after I led tours to Israel and Africa. Like I, like, I joke, but guys, there was this moment where I just stopped enjoying any of it. Like, I was like, I'm like, what am I, the message machine? I am the sermonator. Like, just like, it was too much. I, I, guys, I'm dead serious. The pace was intoxicating, but watch. You see the word in the middle? It was toxic to my soul. My stress skyrocketed. I was spiritually depleted because the pace was unsustainable. I was physically exhausted. I just stopped exercising. I know, you're like, I can tell. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was just kind of emotionally flat. (laughs) Like, I'm a pretty buoyant personality. But just like, I was like, where's the joy? In the middle of all this doing, I had this hollow feeling set in because I was like, I was just like, okay, here we go. I'm going to power through one more thing. And then there was this mental fatigue. Like, my mind started getting foggy and fragmented. It was very hard to, like, focus or think deeply. You ever notice yourself when you start hoarding energy, like, oh, here comes this person, they're going to try to suck some out, I got to, no, I can't, right? No, just you. <laughs> and I was very spiritually distracted. I actually found myself in the fall just kind of numbing out at night by binge-watching ESPN <laughs> or just even waking up and reading the news than my Bible because more reflective time with God feels like more work. So spiritually, I had to start skimming the surface. In other words, I caught a classic case of hurry sickness. Not good, <laughs> not healthy. Now, why do I confess this to you? Because your pastor needs a hurry detox as badly as you. It's because we're human. I can just tell you from experience, all my worst moments as a father and a husband come when I'm in a hurry. (laughs) It's when I'm running late or I'm trying to cram too much into my overscheduled day. And so, you know, I spend time with God and now the kids get in the car, you know, snap at them, you know, and and my, my wife has a, has a problem. She's sharing her heart. She just wants me to listen. I'm like, no, you know what you need to do? Here's what you need to do. Not helpful. <laughs> it's because a lifestyle of hurry and a lifestyle of love are incompatible. They're incompatible. You can't do hurry and love. And for a follower of Christ, that's unacceptable. Because the whole point of the Christian life, Jesus says, is love. Loving God, receiving the love and grace of your heavenly Father, and then watch 
it builds up in your soul and spills out to love your brothers and sisters. See, chronic busyness will poison everything you hold dear. Your spirituality, your health, your marriage, parenting, thoughtful, deep work, creativity. John Ortberg, I love this quote. This is one of those that's like, bam, it was a punch to my face. I like getting punched in the face once in a while. John Ortberg said this, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It's that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Again, isn't this a hopeful Sunday? He came to church, man. Hey, this is actually the hopeful part. I'm going to turn this for you. I mean, what do you do if you're like me? Like, you're just like, Tim, I'm, I'm with you, bro. <laughs> Testify. I see myself in this list. How do you actually shut the door on 2019 and recalibrate for 2020 so that you're emotionally healthy and you're spiritually alive and now you have a capacity to breathe? I'm actually less anxious, less angry. I have more peace and love and joy. Well, here's the deal. If you want to hear the voice of God, you want to experience the joy of Christ. It ain't going to happen over here. If you're going to grow spiritually, you got to have breathing room for your soul to flourish. It means you have to have a sustainable pace and a Sabbath rhythm to your life. And so that's why Jesus gives this beautiful invitation in Matthew 11 to his followers. Listen, just listen to him speaking to you. Come here. Come to me, all you who are what? Weary and burdened. Anybody feel weary? Anybody feel burdened? Anybody look back in 2019 and there's just this like bone-deep tiredness in your body and soul, you're not alone. And so Jesus extends this invitation. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In other words, I'm about to teach you something. For I'm gentle, not driven. <laughs> I'm humble in heart, not ambitious. And you'll find what? Rest for your souls, rest. In other words, Jesus acknowledges, hey, life is heavy. Life is hard. Like, I get it. I'm not you. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, that's nice, Tim. You're a pastor. You read books and you think about these things. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm not you. No, seriously, like, you might be, a, maybe you're a single parent and you're working two jobs. Like, you didn't choose this. You're just trying to, you know, pay off debt and, and make rent each week. You don't have a choice with your schedule. Or maybe you're a corporate executive, right? And like, you're in this, you're like, Tim, I'm in dog-eat-dog -dog marketplace. I got a killer commute. My boss is a rageaholic. She expects me there, you know, first in, last out. <laughs> or maybe you're, 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 you got young kids and older parents now who need your care, and you're like, I'm like the panini. I'm getting squeezed for Tim from both sides. I didn't choose this to be my calendar, my life. It is. I get it. But this invitation from Jesus applies regardless of your situation or your age. You could be a stressed out student, a frazzled mom at home with two littles, Maybe you're the ministry leader of a nonprofit. You're just worn out. Well, guess what? Here at the start of a new decade, Jesus says, there's a whole new way to live. I want to give you breathing room. I want to teach you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, what is this talk of yokes and stuff. Like, you're like, what is, is that even? Just, I get, just lean in here. Because if you're like me, you grew up in the church. How many of you have heard this verse before? My grandma cross-stitched this, put a frame around it, and put it up in the bathroom, you know, over the little soap and doilies. This was like, you know, cliche level. 
The danger is if you've heard this verse, it's very easy to overlook the spiritual dynamite Jesus hid in it. Because hidden in plain sight is Jesus' invitation to what Dallas Willard calls the secret of the easy yoke. What's the secret? We'll start with Jesus was a rabbi, just the Hebrew word for teacher. And like every rabbi, he had what's called a yoke. And that word yoke comes from farming. I'll show it to you. It's a tool used in farming. It's basically this wooden thing you put over the shoulders of two oxen. So they start walking shoulder to shoulder, pulling a car or plowing a field. And a yoke does two things. It sets the pace of the animal. In other words, one can't run too fast or run ahead the other. And then secondly, it distributes the weight of the load because they're shouldering it together. Get it? So a yoke was used to describe a rabbi's unique way of walking with God. And so Jesus is saying, hey, take my yoke on you. Hit yourself up to me shoulder to shoulder. And I'm going to teach you a whole new pace to walk with God. And I'm going to help you carry the load of your life. Because some of you got a heavy load, right? He's like, I'll show you how to carry all of it. Marriage, prayer, money, sex, conflict. I'll show you how to bear the weight. But here's the twist, Jesus says. My yoke is easy and my burden is what? Easy and light are the opposite of heavy and hard. (laughs) Easy and light is not how first century Jews would describe the yoke or religious program of their day. Most spiritual teachers or Jewish rabbis had a yoke of 600 rules and responsibilities you had to perform to please God. Like you think your to-do list is long? (laughs) Like Jews had rules for washing their hands, cooking certain ways. You'd get crushed under the responsibilities that a first century Jew had to carry. But in contrast, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, my yoke is easy and light. In other words, if you hit yourself up to me and do what I do, I will give you breathing room. You'll actually find rest for your soul. No matter your station of life, I'm going to help you experience life to the full. Jesus said, I'll help break the chains of busyness and pathological achievement and unhealthy addiction that drive you. Come on, give it a try. Take my yoke on you and learn from me because I'm gentle. Well, how does Jesus describe himself? I'm gentle. I'm not a slave driver. Do more. I'm humble in heart. I'm not driven by ambition. I'm not American trying to make a name for myself and achieve, achieve, achieve. He says, I just had this beautiful invitation to breathe. Does that feel good? In fact, let's just have some fun. I want to do a little breathing exercise. Can we do that? Would that be weird? Let's just do it. I want to read this invitation out loud from Jesus, but I want to do it a different way. I want to read it slowly, and let's stop between each phrase and actually take a deep breath, okay? Um, this is just, just relax. All our campuses. Ready? Here we go. Just let these words absorb in your soul. Here we go. Ready? Everyone together. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and now, breathe, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Let's put our hands out. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. 
My burden is light. Doesn't that feel good? So, some of you are like, let me get my yoga mat from the trunk of my car, man. That's awesome. <laughs> Guys, what that is is not Zen or some new age practice. You understand what this is? This is an ancient spiritual practice called breathing prayer. And it's portable. You can actually do it in line at the grocery store or in your car while you're idling at the red light trying to, where should I go? There are a ton of spiritual tools like these that I'm going to teach you over the next three weeks. At the start of a new decade, I'm like, we need new tools. And so I want to give you this invitation from your, the lover of your soul. Jesus loves you. He's like, you don't have to let your pace of life steal peace from your life. Jesus is saying, hey, together, let's just do something different this year. I think Jesus is saying to some of you, like, hey, what, what, if, what if 2020 didn't look like this? What if you didn't get sucked up into the toxic busyness of life this decade? And watch, watch. Put on my yoke, and I'm going to teach you a new way to walk. I'm actually going to give you a sustainable pace. Good. Yoke yourself up to me shoulder to shoulder. Don't rush ahead. Let's walk through life together at my pace. I lead the dance. You follow. I will help you carry the weight of your life. Isn't that good? Easier, lighter. Guys, this is an invitation from God to all the burned out, all the stressed out, everyone here reaching for another cup of coffee to survive Monday morning. Anybody like that? Jesus is inviting you to travel through life at the speed of relationship with him. To actually step away from a life of overwhelm and enter emotional health and spiritual soul rest. We're going to teach you in the next three weeks new routines and rhythms that are sustainable for the long haul so you can be more present to God, less angry and anxious around your family, filled with more peace and joy with those you love. Now, how do you do that? This is the secret part. See, if you want the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That's why he says, take my yoke. Learn from me. In other words, a yoke is a tool. And Jesus is like, I'm going to give you practical tools that you have to practice. You have to take on my lifestyle. In other words, we're going to imitate the habits of Jesus over the next three weeks. What did Jesus do to practice this unhurried way of living? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to go over three habits of Jesus that he did to stay deeply connected to his father, download his purpose and marching orders for the day, and live a life of incredible joy, peace, and love. The first is silence and solitude. We're going to teach you about the ancient practice of this. Um, I think is more necessary than ever. Like in our world of noise and distraction, which is all amped up by social media, right? Like think about that. Every morning, if the first thing you do, how many of you look at your phone first thing in the morning? Just be honest. You don't, I'm no judgment. Like, right, okay, all of us do. Think of it this way. If you, the first thing, you open your eyes, you look at your phone, it's basically taking a tall glass of anger, fear, and outrage and starting your day. Like all this negative feelings and distraction, anxiety start pouring in. And so you're going to have an invitation to actually turn your smartphone into a dumb phone like I did over break. I actually wiped email. I wiped Insta. I write Facebook all off it because the phone doesn't run me. I own the phone. So we're going to make this about digital. We're going to teach you digital discipleship. That's amazing. I know some of you are like, wait, what? <laughs> Guys, Jesus was busy, but he wasn't frazzled because he prioritized silence and solitude with his father, which centered him and brought clarity to his agenda every day. 
By the way, this is why our culture keeps talking about mindfulness. You know what mindfulness is? It's a secular way of saying silence and solitude. People are so digitally distracted today that people are just so desperate for anything that dials down the noise so you can be present to God. So we're going to learn silence and solitude, and then we're going to learn how to observe the Sabbath. Sabbath, the Hebrew word for Sabbath is actually stop. Sabbath is more than a day off every week. God gives us that gift. But after working, we set aside a blessed 24 hours to actually stop, rest, enjoy, delight. Most of us use the Sabbath to get more done. I'll now do my bills and the errands I couldn't do because I was rushing around. That's not Sabbath. God's like, I'm giving you a gift, a day to worship God, enjoy my creation, connect with your family and rest. Now understand something. Sabbath is not just a day off. It's a spirit. I'm going to teach you a Sabbath rhythm you can bring in Monday through Friday in your work and your rest balance. So if your closet looks like that, Jesus is going to teach you. This is kind of funny. The last one is called simplicity. Everyone say simplicity. Right now, our, our, right, there's a big thing, minimalism, <laughs> right? Um, the world is all about, like, how do I not get buried alive by clutter? Did you know Jesus pioneered that? He said, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to live with less. I'm going to teach you how to actually have a spirit of contentment. And you don't have to buy a potted succulent and a soy candle to make it happen. You, you, don't, you don't have to buy another pair of strappy shoes or, or Air Jordans to feel complete or, or upgrade your, your whip or get a new you know, phone or whatever. That's it. You don't, because simplicity is a spiritual discipline. As your income goes up, your expenses stay flat. So when there is an emergency, you've got the cash. Can you imagine that? Guys, it's liberating. These three practices of Jesus, silence and solitude, Sabbath, and simplicity, we're going to drill down on one every week, and then we're going to pair it with a 21-day fast that starts next Monday, January 13th. A fast is where you give something up to draw closer to Christ. For me, I'm giving, it's a digital fast. I'm like, I got to get this phone thing. It's way fragmenting my mind. It's running my life. I'm getting away from it. And every week, I'm going to give you super practical tools so you get to try out the yoke of Jesus for yourself. Get it? With me? Guys, life ain't easy. But Jesus says there's an easier way to live. If you're my follower, I'm going to give you a yoke to limit your speed, to distribute the weight, and let me help with the weight of your life. Two oxen together. Follow my pace. Because when your pace increases, your peace decreases. But watch this. When your pace decreases, guess what? Your peace increases. Now, I know some of you have objections. You're like, wouldn't it be nice to be a spiritual pastor and monk like Pastor Tim? It's all zen and all this. I'm a, I'm a mom homeschooling my kids. I just got promoted. I got new reports. Or I'm a college student. I have a heavy load this semester. Listen, I'm just telling you. Jesus is telling you it's possible to slow down, simplify, and... Live with breathing room. And you don't have to be a monk in the mountains to do it. You can live right here in the middle of noisy New Jersey, fast-paced, go-to-go, digital world that we call home. But watch this. To do it, you're going to have to add some new habits to your life. And you're going to have to say goodbye to some old ones. This is what my life looked like in 2019. I was like, you know what? Here it is. Start a new year, new decade. I'm going to clean out my closet this year. No more crazy-making calendar. I, I, I want this. I, I want some breathing room. 
You got it, Jesus. Let's do this. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, man, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle, humble in heart, and you'll find what? Rest for your souls. Don't you want that? I know you do. So I'm going to give you a little homework. All right, ushers, come on down. Surprise. I'm giving you a New Year's gift. Come on, ushers, all of our campuses. I made a little something for you. I was like, I'm, I'm going to spring this on them. Last two minutes of the service. It's a little card. looks like this. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> just, just take one, pass it down your row, and then they're going to give you pens. Take a pen and pass it down your row. Okay, this is my gift to you to start the new year. But we made this card the size of a business card like you could put in your wallet or your purse. And if you look at the card, it's got these math signs on it. Plus, minus, greater than, less than. Some of you are like, oh, now there's math. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, pass it. Hurry up. Let's go. That's <laughs> hurry up, ushers. Hurry up. <laughs> you see? Freaking man. He can't even just like. I am sorry, Jesus. All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, there's four lines for you to write a single word on each line. Next to the plus line, I ask, what's one thing you know you need to add to your schedule this year? Like, you just know, like, man, Tim, I, for me, I wrote exercise. I'm like, I got to get back to working out. Maybe it'll be like, I need a regular quiet time with God that lasts more than, you know, January 10th. Maybe you were going to write, I need, I need to add to my schedule date night with my, my spouse or therapy with my kids. We have to get after this issue. Or maybe you're just going to write vacation. Maybe you committed the sin of not taking your vacation days. That is like a sin. Some of you need, like, like literally, like, you're not, you, okay. Then, subtraction. What's one thing you need to subtract from your schedule based on the word of God you heard today? I, I wrote... TV at night. I found myself just too much collapsing in bed instead of reading TV at night, just numbing. I wake up, television's on, like bad, bad, just depleted in the morning. Maybe you're going to write Netflix. <laughs> too much. <laughs> Maybe it's YouTube. Maybe it's, um, you're just like, hey, my, my night's out every week. Or too many sports on weekends. Can we just remove one of them? I want you to consider letting this be the focus of your 21-day fast. What are you subtracting from your life? And I want you to write something on every line. And if you flip it over, you'll see on the other side, symbols for more of and less of. And here's my question. This is the fun part. What is something you'd love more of this year? Think carefully about that. I wrote, time with my daughter. Because she graduates high school in six months. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to count those six months. I'm going to take it slow. I want more time with that girl before she leaves the nest and goes out in that great big world. Maybe you're like, I want more dinner at home with my family. Maybe you're like, I, I want more sleep. I haven't slept more than five hours in a very long time. What do you, what, what's something you'd like more of? More reading books. You may want to write someone's name on this line. Maybe parents are older. More time with my parents. And then what's one thing you would like less of this year. Something you'd like less of this year. Maybe you're like, less travel, <laughs> less flights, less nights out during the week from my family, less eating out, less running around on weekends. I wrote less email. It's one of the reasons I took email off my phone. I'm like, this is, this is out of control. This is going to look different for every single person here at every campus, depending on your season of life.
but this is my challenge before I send you out in 60 seconds. Before you fill up your calendar, fill out this card. If you're married, you're going to have a great lunch. I want you to talk about this with your spouse. If you're single, talk about it with your roommate or your friend. If you're in a small group, talk about what you wrote. But we made this portable so that you can keep this in your wallet, your purse during 2020. I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. Write something on every line and then bring it back next week. And we'll unpack the three practices of Jesus to create breathing room in your life. Sound good? Guys, God's inviting you to something. Jesus is saying to you, behold, the old is gone. Close the door on 2019. Step away from the overwhelm. Take a breath. Breathe. Let your heart slow down. And listen, let God take care of the world for a while. Because life is better with breathing room. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm reminded, um, it's been said, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So Father, just thank you for your generous invitation to find breathing room this year. It's, a, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity for our soul. Lord, I just confess my sin publicly of speeding too fast this fall. I just cluttering up my calendar and crowding out what's really important. Would you just forgive me, Father? And I pray that you would forgive us for being people of speed, for people of chronic busyness. Holy Spirit, would you even now just kind of, we thank you for your conviction that's gentle. And Father, is meant for our health. And Father, we receive it and we even ask right now for the desire to slow down to learn from Jesus. Lord, I just pray right now that something deep would change within the soul of our church, that we'd look back within a decade, not with regret, but joy, because we've become more like your son, Christ, full of love and joy and peace and patience, less anger, anxiety, outrage. So, Father, we commit this year to you, this decade, this church, and our entire hearts to Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Everybody breathe. Ready?